This is uh, Dr. Pedro Ramirez, Editor-in-Chief of the International Journal of Gynecological Cancer, and today I have the great pleasure of uh, speaking with Dr. Walter Gottlieb, who is the Chair of the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology, Professor in the Department of Oncology, and also the Director of Surgical Oncology at McGill University. Welcome, Walter. Hi. Good morning, uh, Pedro. Walter, uh, you and your team uh, will publish the lead article in the uh, November issue of the um, International Journal of Gynecological Cancer titled Incorporating Robotic Surgery into the Management of Ovarian Cancer After Neoadjuvant uh, Chemotherapy. So certainly it is a, it's a great topic uh, to discuss and I think certainly a topic of uh, significant relevance now in the field of uh, gynecologic oncology. And I was wondering if you can start by just kind of telling us the background as to why you see this topic as a topic of interest uh, within the community of surgeons uh, that, um, that take care of women's cancers. Well, I've always been driven by innovation. And I think that with more effective uh, chemotherapy regimens and uh, the new molecular targeted therapies, the role of surgery in the treatment of cancer in general, but, but in ovarian cancer more specifically, is slowly evolving. And I think that the gold standard for uh, optimal value to the patient with ovarian cancer, uh, which is aggressive cytoreduction and chemotherapy, uh, is today and, and mainly tomorrow with better treatment, uh, I think we can better tailor uh, our surgery. So basically what happened in our department is that with the introduction of neoadjuvant uh, treatments uh, for us in the most advanced cases in our center, as I'm sure in other centers also, we realized suddenly that some patients had only minimal residual disease uh, after chemotherapy that could be potentially removed by MIS uh, rather than laparotomy. And, and that coincided actually in 2007 with the introduction of our uh, robotic program. So with this in mind, uh, we needed to evaluate how the integration of robotics in the treatment algorithm for at least some of selected patients that we had uh, would affect their outcome, uh, as well as the outcome for the entire cohort of patients that we had with ovarian cancer. Uh, this report uh, basically shows uh, our preliminary analysis that actually is in favor of integrating the robotics for uh, selected patients uh, only, but uh, after new adjuvant chemotherapy. So, Walter, you, you definitely you mentioned uh, that, uh, obviously, as a number of patients are, an increasing number of patients are uh, receiving neoadjuvant chemotherapy, that this will be an ideal approach for such patients with, with uh, adequate response. And, and my question uh, would be, you know, how should patients be ideally evaluated prior to the interval cytoreduction surgery, and particularly focusing on, on the aspects of minimally invasive surgery. In other words, in, in your practice, in your institution, what's, what's the routine approach to the evaluation and the patient selection? Yeah, uh, that's kind of the million-dollar question, if I may express myself so. Um, ideally, you would be able to select those patients that that would benefit at least as much at, from the oncological point of view from the MS, uh, MIS approach as from an open approach. And today that means obtaining R0 or no residual disease. So what we did is we very naively used three criteria that were discussed for each patient at our tumor board. Uh, 
uh, after neoadjuvant chemotherapy, which was, did the ascites disappear? Was there resolution of the lesions on imaging? And did the CA125 drop for us at least by 80% after the end of neoadjuvant chemotherapy? If they met those criteria, there was an indication for us to warrant evaluation by laparoscopy and at the time of laparoscopy to estimate whether complete cytoreduction was deemed possible. So for the laparoscopy part, we were not very organized. We didn't have very clear criteria except the judgment of the surgeon. And we know there, since then, Fagotti uh, and her colleagues uh, have published uh, the, the PIV, or what they call the predictive index value, which is just one way of, of, of pseudo-objectively evaluating uh, the potential to do complete cytoreduction. And they used eight criteria, and it was a mental case, carcinomatosis, diaphragmatic disease, liver infiltration, gastric infiltration. So they had a few criteria, and they gave two points to each criteria. And if their criteria were above eight, the, the value of eight, the likelihood of R0 in their studies was zero, basically. So those patients would not benefit from a major laparotomy because they wouldn't be able to get to an R0. So in summary, what we did, we used imaging and CA125 that led to a laparoscopic evaluation, and we would love to have better criteria for that laparoscopic evaluation. And then, Walter, you know, certainly I think that, uh, that many, many institutions are, are heading in that direction in, in doing the laparoscopic evaluation, not only for the upfront setting, but also even at interval side of reduction. But uh, one of the questions that I wanted to ask you, and, I, and I'd love to hear your, your input on this, is, you know, I think that most surgeons would agree that a patient that has had an absolute complete response, uh, that that would be an ideal candidate. But, you know, I think that another question that comes up is what about stretching that a little bit in terms of partial response and how much of a partial response uh, is ideal for minimally invasive surgery? Yeah. As most, we're still debating this point with ourselves, right? I would guess that everybody will agree that complete response is for sure, uh, after neoadjuvant is for sure a candidate to attempt MIS, uh, or at least to evaluate it. Uh, and, but I'm also convinced that, and, and we have experienced that, that some of who we thought were partial responders really could get to R0. I think we need to study this more. Uh, I consider our study more of a feasibility or kind of a pilot study uh, that indicates that oncological outcomes are satisfactory. And that basically gives us the green light to, to go on and study who really the best patients are that could benefit from it. And, and Walter, as a follow-up to that, um, you know, obviously you've had extensive experience uh, with this approach. Are there any areas where you might say, you know, with minimally invasive surgery, it's really difficult to get to this point in the abdomen, or, or these are the major challenges for those who may not be as experienced? Yeah. I, I think that the purpose really is to avoid the morbidity associated with laparotomy. In my mind, this has never been about MIS by laparoscopy versus robotics. You know, as long as you can do it by MIS, uh, the patient benefits and use this tool that works for you. So it appears to me that, that more GYN oncologists will be able to use robotics as a tool uh, better than straight sticks for all you know, the obvious reasons that, that you and I know. Uh, some surgeons are just 
amazingly wired in their brain in a way that laparoscopy allows them similar surgical skills and good outcomes. And of course, for these surgeons, MIS by laparoscopy is perfect. I would like, however, to add one little comment, if I may. There is an additional value of robotics that lays in the computer interface, which has the potential for augmented reality and digital analysis, you know, commonly referred to as AI, artificial intelligence. And, and I think that will change our conversation completely in the near future, where really that computer interface will give us so much more information and significant advantages, a little bit similar to what we have seen in aviation, where, I mean, you don't consider flying a plane today anymore without a computer. And I think that that will drastically change how surgeons will approach uh, surgery in general. And, and Walter, is that uh, technology available already or are we uh, are we still awaiting the, the development of, of such technology? So, so, so that technology is already available in the labs and is already available on some systems. Uh, it has not become commercial because of all of the approvals that need to go and, and, and who's really responsible. Uh, you know, if, if uh, the computer shows you something and, and then you do something, who's really responsible? Are you responsible? Is, is the manufacturer? So there are a lot of things that need to be worked out, but that technology is coming. Uh, computer overlays with CT imaging, with, with PET scan imaging, uh, you know, antibodies to tag the, the, the ovarian cancer so you could see it by immunofluorescence. All of those exist. They're not commercially available, but, but it's coming. Okay. So one of the things that always comes up, obviously, not, not everyone is embracing of the, of the principle of minimally invasive surgery in ovarian cancer for any reason. And, uh, and, and there are those who might say, look, you know, after open cytoreductive surgery, you really have to check the, that, that there is no residual disease. And by the manual examination, uh, certainly one can do this much more accurately. And that it seems difficult to assess residual disease by laparoscopy or robotics particularly in areas like the posterior right hemidiaphragm. So what do you think, uh, you know, regarding these comments, and, and do you feel that we need to implement routine postoperative imaging after minimally invasive interval cytoreductive surgery? Okay, let, let me try to answer this maybe in two ways. So, so the first question that comes to my mind is how important is it really if systemic therapy will be able to manage those re residual NIDE, those residual nests of tumor? And if systemic therapy cannot manage it, then, then I also wonder how important it is anyway for these to be uh, found, because there will always be some residual cells somewhere else. So I, I sometimes wonder how much we put focus on things that might not be as dramatically relevant. The second is, uh, I don't know how good imaging is post-op to detect residual disease. We know all the issues we have with uh, images that we have before surgery. We go into the surgery, and, and really what we find at surgery is not the same as what was seen on CT, MRI, or PET. So I would suggest it is much more important to have imaging prior to surgery, to focus the attention of the surgeon to these areas during surgery, than rather after surgery when there is so much artifact, and I'm not sure how much we can trust it. Absolutely. Well, that, that's a very interesting point. Um, now, Walter, the, the uh, element of uh, complications, obviously, again, um, 
do we have any data on complication rates between open versus minimally invasive interval saddle reduction? Uh, do we have any data on quality of life assessment in these two groups, or are we still awaiting uh, th that type of information? So, so we do have that information because we did follow our cohort for 90 days post-op. We didn't put it in the paper because we really wanted to focus on the oncological outcomes first because whatever, you know, from the lag trial, whatever the, 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 the complications and stuff, if the oncological outcome is not as good, then, then the, the point is moved. So, so we focused on the oncological, but we do have that. And the most av uh, obvious advantage, I reviewed it now, uh, we found was basically uh, simply a decrease of, in blood loss of 75%, a decrease of, of hospital stay to, to a median of one day. And the overall complication rate, more specifically, intra-op was identical. It was 13% in both cohorts, uh, robotic or, or open, whereas the post-op complications dropped down from 39% to 25%. And that was mainly due to a decrease in infection, ileus, and VTEs. Uh, and there were no post-op complications more frequent in the robotic cohort than in the open cohort, except for one. We had one voltahissence in the robotic cohort. So that, that was recomforting. Concerning the quality of life, I can't really comment because we only have quality of life prospectively obtained in the patients who underwent robotics. So we can't compare it to the open. But in the robotics, what we saw is that after one week, we had a less than 10% decrease in quality of life. And by week two, it had gone back up to the pre-op state and quickly increased above. That's fantastic. So it definitely, it certainly would be... Um uh, I, ideal to obviously see, see that information published as well, uh, and, and certainly we would welcome it in, in the journal uh, uh, as well. I'll, I'll submit it next <laughs> week. Uh, now, one of the the other questions, obviously, speaking of complications, uh, that always comes up um, anytime you bring in minimally invasive surgery to oncology, is uh, the concerns for port metastases in this patient population. Are there any specific measures that you take in order to avoid the port metastases? Uh, great question. So we, we basically had three port side metastases in our population, but none were isolated port side metastases. They were all basically occurring uh, together with concurrent carcinomatosis. And uh, what we have done to minimize the risk is basically prospectively, we placed everything into endobags or actually into fingers of, of a glove that were used to retrieve the specimen, so we didn't have to use always uh, endobags. And that was done both via the uh, robotic ports, but also via the vagina. So, so nothing came out without, or almost nothing came out without being within some type of a containing uh, instrument. And Walter, with regards to um, obviously, I know that you're a strong proponent of robotic surgery overall, but for this particular indication, the, the, the interval set of reduction, uh, are there any limitations that you might uh, outline for us? Yeah, sure there were. So the limitation we encountered was, was basically if we had major residual disease when we did the laparoscopy. And, 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 that major, and that disease would become retracted and surrounded by fibrosis after neoadjuvant chemo. So that, that was a, a major issue we dealt with. Uh, another challenge uh, was 
obviously disease in difficult to reach areas, uh, the, mainly the upper abdomen, uh, the smaller curvature of the stomach, uh, the posterior diaphragm, the gastrosplenic ligament, areas that, that you have more difficult seeing. Uh, or if you had multiple bowel sites, uh, and, and what do you do then? Do you do multiple bowel resection? Well, then robotics is probably not the right thing. Although I must admit, this is becoming a little bit less of a difficulty now with the most recent robotic technologies, like, like the endo-GIAs and, and the vessel sealers and things like that. And I think that in the future, the technology really will help us cure the patients, and, and our caring will be more important for the healing. And then, Walter, as, uh, you know, as we um, look at the results of your study, um, have there been any current changes in your standard practice in your institution uh, moving forward? Uh, yeah, actually, all the patients that, that are clinically evaluated to be potentially candidates to attain R0, uh, either by primary debulking or uh, after neoadjuvant uh, chemotherapy, uh, are offered a laparoscopy to evaluate this option, and at laparoscopy, it's decided. Uh, all patients are, however, informed that this is still exploratory, and we provide us, them with our data, of course, and, and, and an informed consent. I think that at this point, this is still part of evaluation. Absolutely, yes. And, and actually, that, that brings me to the, the last question of our podcast, and, and I wish we could continue talking. This is a really fascinating topic to discuss with you. Uh, but in recognizing, obviously, the limitations of uh, retrospective data and after seeing the, the impact of the lacteral and cervical cancer, um, what are your thoughts with regards to moving forward with a prospective uh, randomized trial to evaluate the role of minimally invasive surgery in uh, interval cell reduction for ovarian cancer? Uh, the short answer is, of course. Uh, the little longer answer is that, you know, what the LAC trial mainly uh, uh, helped us understand is that we need to improve mainly technically to provide the best and most appropriate surgical care. And, and some of the problems with the technique uh, we would not have noticed without the LAC trial. And, and, and I think this is why the LANCE trial is going to be so fundamental. Uh, it might show us what we have not noticed yet. And without a randomized trial, we wouldn't get the immediate attention to these things to improve care. So I think it's fundamental. Yes, so thank you uh, so much, Walter. I think that uh, certainly that has been uh, very informative uh, for all of us. Um, and are there any uh, closing remarks you would like to make? Yeah. I would say, like, like Yogi Berra said, right, uh, things are difficult to predict, uh, mainly the future. But uh, I think the future looks good. Uh, it appears that uh, with the improved systemic therapies, uh, our surgical approach will become more precise and targeted. I think the augmented reality that we discussed about with the computer interface will drastically change the way we perform surgeries. Um, and meanwhile, you know, I can just hope that our pilot data uh, will stimulate further investigation, and uh, I'm very thankful for the opportunity to share, you know, our modest contribution with you and, and, and with the rest of GYN Oncologies for the benefit of women uh, in this very dynamic community that we are, and push innovations further. Well, Walter, thank you so much. It's been absolutely a pleasure. Thank you, Pedro. Thanks for the support.